It's the More Than Just Code podcast. This week, we spend the whole show just dissecting the September 9th Apple announcement. We wish we could say more, and now we can. Hey everybody, welcome to the More Than Just Code podcast for September 10th. Um, my name is Tim Mitra, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Aaron Vay in Whitby, Ontario. Greetings! And I'm joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And once again, we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hey, everybody. So, um, I was uh, having trouble with my internet yesterday, so can you guys tell me, did anything happen that I might want to know about? Yes. Yeah, you like two what? released like a new album. You too? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't had trouble downloading that. Did you guys, were you able, guys able to download that one? Or? No, I haven't even looked Not at yet. that. No. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. I figured it was free, so I should be able to, you know, capitalize on it. Why wow, you're going I'm, from the back to the front here. I thought we totally agreed to go the other way around. Well, the other thing, too, is my, my, new, Robert Plant, my new Robert Plant CD showed up yesterday, too. That was kind of interesting. But. I don't even know who Okay, so, uh, Aaron, what do you got to say for what happened? Uh, it was, I thought... Fantastic. Um, the thing that I really liked about it, um, well, I'll start off with what I hated about it because, you know, why not? Um, the stream. The stream was god-awful. And yeah. I was so frustrated. I was at a friend's house uh, watching on his Apple TV, and it was the most frustrating experience. Not experienced since the early 2000s, I think, back when Apple was, was doing these kind of streams and... Uh, the internet being what it was in those days, uh, it not being very reliable. And right. although they've been great in the last few years, this time it was just abominable. Um, I had a heck of a time trying to keep track of what was going on. And frankly, I missed almost all of the iPhone segment of the keynote presentation, right. uh, much to my chagrin. So um, I actually took the effort of uh, watching it again uh, tonight. I pulled up the keynote I uh, was able to download it after several hours of um, errors on Apple's website, even today, and hmm. managed to uh, watch the whole keynote again this evening, and uh, I'm more excited than I was yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I watched it last night after I got home. I, I, I also had experienced uh, difficulties with it, and um, but I, I, you know, I tried it on my Mac, and then I tried it on my, on my iPad. It worked best on the iPad, but the thing is, that the stream kept interrupting and going back to the beginning and starting over again, and I was really... Getting used to the Chinese overdub, right? You can't get used to that. It was awful. So, I use a multi-screen um, fix, and it, it's totally selfish here. But I had uh, both the Apple TV streaming and then also had on my MacBook Pro streaming. So when one messed up, restart the other, you know, one of them. Right, right. And then I also had a window open with The Verge's uh, live blog because they would very, very quickly, within 10 seconds, they'd put up um, images. And I think that's because the delay on the stream was probably a couple minutes. And were you right. were you using the same network for all, all those streams? Yeah. Yeah. See, I couldn't do that because I figured that if I was in any way, uh, if my network was in any way a factor in this, uh, doing multiple streams would really have hurt my chances. Well, I was following along on Twitter, too, with, with all the other people. And, you know, as soon as I went down and got the test pattern... You know, I posted a picture of it, and then very, like, minutes, seconds afterwards, you know, Ash Furrow was listening, and I think he was probably over in, in Amsterdam, and he was he couldn't get it. And Quite right. Mark, I think, Mark, you said yes, yesterday you had trouble getting it as well. I did. 
yeah, and so I mean, so I was following on on Engadget's live blog. I was trying to follow along on my devices as well. But uh, yeah, I think it was a universal frustration. And and it's funny because Apple didn't do this kind of stuff for the longest while. Because, but I do remember the day that Steve Steve Jobs was was introducing iPhoto, and he had a Canon camera, and he couldn't figure out how to turn it on, and he literally threw it off the stage to somebody. Right? I was. That's the kind of thing I would it would have expected from our our beloved Steve if he was involved in that thing yesterday as well or even could see it you know well, that's the thing if they only knew when they were on the stage that this was happening i think even tim cook he would have given his patented steely stare at someone <laughs> off stage you know how he is you know when he he kind of whispers menacingly only apple can do this grin on his face yeah exactly. yeah a sneer he was in great spirits though um in that keynote he was a happy man well, do you think I, I read a bunch of stuff about about that today? Like, there seems to be a long tail in terms of how they develop products. Like, they know about things being developed well into the future that they've got on on the on the whiteboards or whatever. Do you think Steve Jobs knew about the watch and had an input on this, and this was something that's coming along, or is this really well and truly Tim Cook's day in the sun? Well, I, I think it's it's kind of both there, right? Because I I think I'd seen Johnny Ive talking to somebody, and he said. That they had been working on this for three years, which would just about overlap with Steve Jobs's, uh, you know, the end of his life. But at that point, it's certainly just a concept, right? It's like we we want to have a watch, and it will do stuff with the iPhone. I don't think any of the the, the major important details would have been fleshed out um, under Steve Jobs at all. I, th- I think it's definitely Tim Cook's baby. Tim did an interview after the keynote, and he said just the same thing that this this was the first thing that they developed after Steve Jobs died. Oh really? Okay. Okay. Well, fair enough. I just I just thought I'd put that out there as a question because it's it's sort of a the buzz is that this is Tim Tim Cook finally taking the reins of Apple, quote unquote, even though he's been doing it for three years, right? So. Yeah, this is it. This really is it. Yeah. So Aaron, why don't you jump in and give us the uh, first couple of products that they announced, which they had to do really quickly, of course, because we already knew about them. They were in a huge rush. Uh, they had a lot of ground to cover, so okay, uh, it was all business. I I love those. Uh, just like with WWE uh, last last spring. Uh, summer? <laughs> June, June. June is summer. And they were on fire. They had so much to say that they took off and, and went ahead full steam. Uh, got a good laugh uh, when Tim began the keynote by saying, normally I would cover the financials for the company and our progress and our stores. I'm going to skip that. Uh, suffice to say, it's really good. And dove right into the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. These uh, aren't going to surprise anyone that had been paying attention to the rumors in the last several months. So we've got phones that are at 4.7 and 5.5 inches. The name has been decided. The iPhone 6 is the 4.7 version. The 6 Plus is the 5.5 inch version. The 6 Plus um, got special attention because it has certain features that have been enabled just for that model that make it um, almost iPad-like in yeah. terms of how the software handles it. So um, the one big thing that kind of makes me sort of cringe a bit is the fact that it has uh, somewhat better hardware than the 6, uh, in particular the optical image stabilization. Mm-hmm. So with that feature, uh, you'll be able to take better photos and better video because the uh, the actual camera element, the hardware inside the phone, will jiggle <laughs> according to the uh, the M8 processor and the gyroscope uh, in order to capture a steadier image. So you're just going to get better quality photos with this big-ass phone. Right. Um, 
and not to mention the battery life, which will be superior because it's just a bigger battery. Um, so those two factors combined make it, uh, you know, a, a potentially better piece of hardware just um, just from the outset. Um, and the other thing is on the software side, we've spoken in the past about size classes and mm-hmm. the iPads, or sorry, iPad, iPhone 6 Plus is being treated in the landscape orientation like an iPad. Uh, mm-hmm. To put it into size class terms, uh, it's a regular width uh, when it's in landscape, whereas an iPhone is a compact width in landscape. So that's going to give developers the opportunity to uh, create a, a unique UI uh, specifically for the uh, iPad, iPhone 6. So I think that's amazing, <laughs> um, but it makes that device sort of an out- outlier because it's going to be a particular target for applications. So I think developers, some developers may may decide, I, you know, I'm not really crazy about this phone, but I kind of have to get it now. Oh, yeah, I definitely have to. I, I have no choice but to get that phone myself. Uh, I just wanted to throw in something about the size class. I was telling Mark today, I, I did a test for one of our apps. I tested a couple of uh, legacy apps that we have that we that we wanted to know what's going to happen on these new devices. So, you know, got, got Xcode 6 installed and with the new um, definition or the new simulators for uh, 6 and 6 Plus and ran my apps on, on iOS 8 on the simulators, and th- it literally just scaled them up. Like, I was concerned the proportions aren't identically r- proportional to from one device to the other. Like, they were slightly askew, but, but everything scaled up fine. It was uh, kind of surprising. And they're not written with, with auto layout or with, with, uh, with size classes in mind. Um, I'm no mathematician, but it, I believe that all the devices are 16 by 9 ratio. Are they? Yeah. So uh, it is just a simple matter, simple <laughs> matter of scaling it up. Uh, okay. So it is really just a scale. It's not not having to distort in any one direction. Well, I, I think there's uh, some interesting things here. Um, so kind of as a, a quick aside, if people are uh, kind of concerned about what this phone is really going to be like, uh, such as myself, right? I, I had to make the same decision. And I think if it was my own just pure personal device, I'd probably go with the iPhone 6 and the 4.7 inch screen Mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter is like i have to know what that user experience is like for the larger phone because it's just so different i'm going to buy the six plus with the 5.5 inch screen uh but if you go to apple's comparison site and uh, we'll have that in the show notes you can actually just kind of scale up the iphone 5 in my case to be the same uh the same drawing size as my actual physical iphone and then you can you know, just kind of move over across the screen and say, okay, well, what would this thing be like relative to the size of your hands, right? The the scale is a little hard to, to get when you're looking at other people's hands. Well, Aaron, you made a cutout today, didn't you? Yeah, I was just about to mention that. Uh, s- several people have put up uh, uh, printings that you can make. You just send it to the printer at 100%. It has the an outline for the 5, the, the 6, and the 6+. Plus. And so I did that this afternoon. Uh, compared the 5 to my phone, and it's it's the same. So cut out the 6 and the 6 Plus and just held them in my hand. Um, the 6 was was quite nice. Uh, and I decided that that was probably the phone that I would like to get, leaving aside for a second the issue of whether as a developer I need to get the Plus. The Plus in my hand was preposterous. I just don't think that I could handle it. Um, so I'm, I'm deeply concerned about the possibility that I might have to get that one, even though it's not the size that I'm really after. 
So that that was just the. Uh, I assume it was a two dimensional thing, right? It didn't like create a box or anything. It wasn't a a three D model. Yeah, type. yeah, that's right. Uh, it was just a, just a paper cutout sitting in my hand. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this actually feels because when you look at the stats on Apple's website, it, it, you know it is considerably wider. Speaking of the plus here, considerably wider than the iPhone five, uh, but the depth is is actually. You know, it's actually thinner, and it's got rounded edges instead of the the flat and cham- chamfered edges. I think they call it. Yeah, it's more like the iPod I heard today. Right. Yeah. So I think no matter what my thoughts are and how it's going to feel, I I won't really. I, I doubt I'll be correct until I actually try one and, and get a notion for what it's really like. Well, it's funny because uh, you know as I'm getting older and having to wear glasses and stuff like that, I, I really I, I like the retina displays and stuff like that. But but unless I'm wearing my glasses, I really can't take advantage of it personally. And you know, I often switch between my older iPhone fours and and fives and things like that. And and I and I'm, I'm, I was thinking about it today. You know, I think I would really appreciate a bigger screen to be honest with you. You know, being being the senior citizen in the group, right? So, Mark, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I tend to agree with you about the, uh, the you know, the getting older and, and having vision issues uh, causing <laughs> the drive to a bigger screen. Uh, so I haven't decided which one I'm going to go with. Um, I, I kind of have the same feeling that the, the 6 Plus might be just too big to, to handle. I mean, it's almost like a, an iPad mini, basically, yeah. uh, with that size. So I, I don't know yet. I, I'd like to be able to, to touch them but before I make a decision, but I, I know I won't because I'll pre-order it as soon as it's available. Yeah, I already put myself on the list for for one today. And actually, it just turned out it's funny because every year that you know I've had to get every phone as it came out, and and I've had to pay the price, you know, to break a contract or to cut a contract early to get the new device. And it's always cost me, you know, anywhere between one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty dollars more to break out of the contract. And I just happened to notice today that since they went to the two year contract on the five, I think it was. I'm actually, if I wait till the 20th of September, I get my, my, I'm eligible, eligible for an upgrade without a penalty. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> anyway, and I'll talk more about uh, selling your, your, uh, your older gear uh, later on in the, in the, in the broadcast. So, so what did you guys think about the capacities and prices? The pricing schemes are, are a little bit of a change from previous years. Well, I was actually surprised. I was actually pleasantly surprised with the capacities because because I've been using a 32 gig uh, device for like my last three iterations, and I've just gotten to the point where it's actually getting annoying because I, I regularly run out of space on my 32 gig devices. So I was going to go to a 64 anyway. So and that was, so the 32 was always sort of the middle of the road. And um, so I'm surprised. I'm, I'm actually ple- presently surprised that that the 64 is not going to cost me an arm and a leg, right? I don't know if I'd go to a 128 though. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen the 32 gig be the entry level one, or the you know not the entry level, but the the lower level one. Isn't it? Those. No, no, it's, it it goes from 16 to 64. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, so there's wow. no 32. Why would they? Why would they do that? God, why would question. they do that? No, I mean it's <laughs> it's so silly. It's like, it's kind of what they do with the iPads at the end of the line when they when they when they come out with another iPad and, and they want to just keep one around to keep the the people who don't want to spend all the you know extra hundred dollars. In this, it's not like that in this case. In in this case, I think it's just about profit margin. They're they're looking to recoup par- profit margins at this point by having those. You know what does what does sixteen gigabytes of of SD RAM or whatever it is flash storage cost Apple? Practically nothing. Practically yeah. nothing. And what's the At difference scale, in cost like between exactly? Sorry. What's the difference in cost between sixteen and thirty-two, or even sixteen and sixty-four? Let me tell you this. I, there's there's a well-known marketing trick in in the world of, of and it's, it comes down to selling buttered popcorn at movies. If I if you just bear with me for a minute. 
if you have a small butter, a small popcorn, most people would buy the small popcorn because they don't want to spend a lot of money and they realize, you know, they're that's they're being gouged anyway at a movie theater. Um, so, right, you could have a small popcorn, and you could have a large popcorn, and in order to get people to buy the large popcorn, you have to make it seem like it's a better deal. So what they do is they come up with a medium popcorn in the middle that's better than the small, but only a few shekels less than the than the large. So that by the time you look at, if you if you, if they can get you to look at the medium, they can convince you to go to the large for a few bucks extra. Yes, and that's that's old an trick. old trick, oldest trick of the book, and that's why there's three iPhones and three iPads. And it's kind of interesting because the uh, you look at the the comparison charts, and you know, sixteen for the the six plus and the and the six is the baseline. Uh, there is a one hundred dollar price premium across the board for the six plus uh over the six and then you go look over at what they're offering with the 5s and that has 16 and 32 gigabytes so no no 64 or 128 gig option and the 5c at eight gigabytes as the only option is i mean it's barely even a phone anymore well that's yeah yeah that is typical apple they, that's the pattern they've been following for years they they put their free phone uh out with six gigabyte or eight gigabytes of ram it's a uh, why do I keep saying RAM? Memory. Storage. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but, but at the same time, it's you want to get people in the door, right? And, and then, then you basically uh, you use the, the buttered popcorn trick to get them to buy the bigger phone. I wonder how many of those they sell, these free phones. I, and I, I have a friend who used to work in a Telus store. He has the most wonderful stories about people coming into the store, uh, just saying, give me the free phone. Just give me the free phone. That's all I'm here for is the free phone and no questions asked they walk out with it and most times it's an android phone and they're back a couple days later to return it but those that class of people is out there and it's it's worrisome because you're going to have a substandard experience using an eight gigabyte iphone that's true that's true but then what i've been saying for the last couple of weeks there are some people who just use as a phone and they maybe use their contacts and they really don't they just scratch the surface of what what an iphone's potential really is right well there's that case they're not going to fork up and buy the, the 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 watch to have the full experience you know yeah but then they go out and they get some games from the app store and they've got two games and now they're getting all these warnings from the phone saying that you're running out of disc yeah but then they're hooked right and so the next one they buy is the bigger one yes but that's not for another three years in the meantime they're getting really pissed off so it's not, it's not three years. Yeah. It's it's. I'm sorry, years, I'm in Canada. About, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's two, two years. So, two well, USA. well the, yeah. it's, it's two it's years. A two year contract, now, but almost always after one year, they say, "Well, you know, if you want to upgrade for another two years, we'll let you get the new one now." After one year. Yeah, like like I said, they have they, they changed the rules up here as well. It's now two years, and and you can they made it easier to break your break your contract. You can actually look up you know your contract and see what you would have to pay. To do it, if I if I was, for instance, going to get my wife an update for the phone next week, it would cost an extra two hundred fifty dollars on top of the price of the phone. From a purchasing advice standpoint, um, and I'm going to segue quickly into a, a little bit of a story here. So, a quick anecdote with a friend of mine. So, she was one of those people who was interested in the free phone, and at the time, it was the iPhone four, and everything was fine and dandy until iOS seven point came out. And it promptly <laughs> crippled her phone, and she hated the experience. So she decided to go back to the store. She bought a 
I don't even sure what model it is. It's a ginormous uh, Windows phone. It's it's a Lumia of some sort, and it's well, it's a phablet. It's seven inches. It's it's huge. I mean, we're talking about a five point five inch thing here. This is a seven inch uh, screen, and of course, it's kind of a sad and lonely life in Windows Phone world, right? And she hates it. It's too big. It doesn't have the apps that she wants, and now she's looking to to come back. Right, so that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing for for folks that are looking to buy on the lower end, and that the the five yeah. C just looks too low end. I mean, sixteen gigs, I think, would have been a, a bit more of a reasonable take there. That's exactly my point. As well, it was the other piece of uh, news yesterday was was Apple finally getting into the uh, into the NFC New York Field Communications with their Apple Pay, uh, which is in tied in with the credit card companies. What do you guys think of that? I think this was actually one of the most exciting things out of all yesterday for the long term. I mean, you know, the phones will be great for a year and then we'll get new phones. But the fact that Apple's doing payments is, you know, forever. Yeah, so I've worked with various of the, you know, the third-party payment services that are available out there. And, and, and they're good. There's nothing wrong with it. But but if if this is as seamless as we hope it will be, I mean, this, mm-hmm. is, this will just be, you know, revolutionary for, for doing any kind of e-commerce on the phone. Right. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that I can go to the app store, walk in, find what I want, open my phone up, you know, today and scan the barcode and and walk out two minutes later after and just maybe ask for a bag if I need one. Right. Um, You know, that's the app. The app stores are way too crowded for me, but I just love being able to go in and and take care of my own business and then walk out the door, you know. So and and it's not just brick and mortar. I mean, you can you'll be able to I, I believe you'll be able to have a website or, or, or an app and wherever you used to use PayPal, let's say you could now use this. Yeah. For instance, Uber, I heard Uber is going to have, uh, be using this, this Apple pay system right away. Right. So, you know, you, you just have to, you know, order a cab and away you go. Right. Or a pizza. Or pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's great on a couple of factors. So, so looking at the Uber example in, in particular, um, not only is it a, it a payment method, but it was also a way to reduce friction for their app, right? You don't even have to create an account, which is normally required with Uber, because right? you've paid. And so the driver is going to come to your location because they know they've, they've got the money coming forth, right? And it's also part of um, sort of this industry-wide trend towards making payments this just commodity feature that just is expected, right? So Stripe and... Um, Square, Amazon Local, or sorry, not Amazon, Amazon Register, pardon me, with its introductory price of 1.75%, which is, you know, they're, they're losing money on that one, right, for six months just to, to get some market share. And Apple here is, is coming into it. And I didn't see any mention in their docs or in the presentation yesterday saying, you know, what's Apple's cut? What's the user's cut? Uh, it looks like users probably don't have to pay any portion of this, right? So this is between Apple and the payment providers that they're working with. But I think it's bigger. It's a bigger piece of news for you guys in the States because in Canada here, we most of our credit cards have chips in them and we have pin codes and, you know, we've, we've gone down that sort of security thing and we have the cards with the, I'm not sure if what technology is in them, but we can we can tap our the register with our, with our credit card and it just automatically pays. Right? That is NFC. Yeah. So, but with you guys, with you guys in the States, you don't have the chip cards yet. Is that not correct? That's true. Apple sort of leapfrogging that whole payment gap for you guys, right? 
Yeah. Right. And I think even when it becomes available in Canada, the fact that you won't have to pull out your, your wallet, you won't need to carry your credit card for that kind of stuff. That's true. That's it's pretty true. powerful. And and it's kind of interesting here uh, when you look at Apple's um, externally available docs for Apple Pay. And uh, there are only, at this time, six providers. Um, you know, Stripe, Authorize.net, Chase Payment Tech, CyberSource, First Data, and TSIS. And that's kind of interesting because, you know, these guys got favored nation status. And surprisingly, you know, the, the, the big boy on the block, PayPal, with its Braintree and its Venmo acquisitions, didn't make it into the party. I think that's pretty huge. Well, remember, they, they have to keep this secret, right? right? So if they told too many people and told some of the, you know, the, the bigger guys at PayPal, the, the story was much more likely to get out. So this is so going to be you, huge, I think, for frictionless mobile payments, you know, both in the, the physical world, going to a retailer and tapping on something, and as well as online payments that they showed. Um, it, nothing is any easier than just pressing a button with your fingerprint. And getting a pizza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they mentioned that, well, I'll, I'll say they mentioned a few things that were of interest to me. When Tim Cook started talking about Apple Pay, he preceded that by saying that this is going to be part of a larger platform. And I'm not sure if I misinterpreted what he was saying there. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to ask you guys if you caught that, where he sort of implied at the beginning that that they're getting into this whole industry and they're starting with payments. So I suspect that what we're looking at here is the beginning of a, a new platform for Apple. Uh, beginning with easy pay, but then going into maybe direct consumer to consumer payments, uh, ultimately replacing um, cash, perhaps. The, 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 po- the potential of Apple having a, a whole suite of services around moving money, basically, I think is something that we should think about and be aware of because uh, people are focusing on Apple Pay, but I think I think Tim was pretty clear this uh, yesterday that there may be more to this, even more, more than just payments. Even more, more, one more, more, one thing. So the other thing that I I picked up on is the focus on credit cards, and uh, not being an American, but having visited many times, um, debit is a thing there. Am I right? Debit card debit, rather than a credit debit card. Cards. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, um, are, you, are you thinking Apple Bank? Is that is that where you're headed? <laughs> Maybe. I'm not actually <laughs> headed anywhere. No. Um, I'm just sitting here. But I, I they they mentioned debit and credit cards, but then they only talked about credit cards for the rest of the presentation. And at least in Canada, and for the last several years, um, you could shake me down at any time of the year, and ten times out of ten, I'm not going to have any cash on me because. I use debit everywhere um, with minor exceptions for business expenses or large expenses. That's when I use a credit card. I almost never use a credit card, but my debit card, uh, I got to get it replaced every year or so just because it wears out. Um, and so I'm wondering if, if although they said that debit and credit cards are supported, they didn't show any. Well, I mean, I think in, um, you guys can jump in any time here, but I think that the the debit card is actually sort of seen as a as a credit vehicle in some cases, right? I don't know how's it how's it how's it viewed in the states. So it looks just like a credit card. It's usually issued by Visa or, or Mastercard uh, from your bank, 
uh, and and I mean, it's in in many ways, it's it's exactly like a pre a prepaid credit card. So you use it as a credit card, but you know, as for your limit is how much money you actually have in the bank at that time. Is is it tied to your bank's checking account? Yes. 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 Yeah. So that's yeah, so it's the same as ours. It's the same, same here ours. then. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the so, idea being that I can pull that card out and put it through a debit machine, and the money comes straight from my bank account. Right. Well, the, right. the different the difference is to Aaron is is I don't know if you noticed over the last three or four years, Visa and Mastercard have started putting their logos on our debit cards. We used to have debit cards without a logo on them, right? Which yeah. Is like yeah. TD Bank or Royal Bank or whatever. Now it's the TD Bank Visa, and you know sometimes when I, when I first got them and they started handing them to people, they would kind of go, "Is that a Visa or a debit?" You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same here. But at least down here, it used to be that if you had your your Bank of America card or whatever it was before before they started issuing it through Visa, uh, you could pretty much only use it at a at an ATM to get cash. You couldn't walk into a store and use it just like a credit card. Right. Now, now that it's it, it essentially is a Visa, you can use it anywhere. You can use a credit card. So so they're almost identical now. Yeah, like here we have to have an interact, interact thing. And there are some places here, like some stores here that either don't take Visa or they don't take debit, or, you know, they want cash or that it happens. Smaller, smaller convenience type stores, you know, here in the city, maybe not out in, you know, Whitby, Ontario, where the high class people live. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> We barely have running water out here, <laughs> there, but it's never been never been an issue finding a place to take debit in in urban areas. Uh, certainly in cottage country, for example, or, or rural areas. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, and I'm glad you mentioned it, Tim. Like, there's Interac in Canada, so Interac is. I don't think that's an American thing, right? No, no. never heard of it. Yeah. Silence. So. Uh, they're the system that processes all these debit payments. They're the ones that provide the connection between the bank card that that gets processed at the point of sale and my checking account. Yeah, so, I can also I can also send Aaron some money through Interact on my online bank. I can say give him a hundred bucks, and he has to answer a security question, and and it all happens like kind of like Square or PayPal does for for sending money to each other. Right. Every major Canadian bank supports that email money transfer. Yeah. Right. Um, so. Um, I would love for Apple to come in, and I hope that they're, they've started working on this. When they talk about an aggressive worldwide rollout, um, I hope that they're talking to Interac, and I hope they're talking to, like, there's just five major banks. They don't have to talk to a ton of banks like in the States. Uh, so I'm hoping that there's going to be a rollout. I'm hoping that this isn't going to be like iTunes Radio, which we're still waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> really? You don't have no. iTunes Radio yet? No. Nope. No. Nope. 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 Aaron, to your to your point, I, I do think this probably is the the very beginning of, of something greater, right? I mean, even look at how they're integrating with Passbook, right? Well, probably my favorite forgotten technology on yeah. iOS. Yeah. Um, it, it's integral as part of this whole thing. And that came out in iOS 6. Passbook, I use it all the time up here. For what? It, it, I use it for movies. I use it for, I, I've used it for, obviously, all my events that I go to at Apple use Passbook. Um Airline got, tickets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Starbucks, if you happen to be in the Starbucks, States. yeah. For me, for me, it's mostly it's mostly an, an easier to find Starbucks card, passbook. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. On the phone. Yeah. I wish it was available for more things because it really is awesome. It's just it's just not that well supported. Yeah, that's the trouble with it. Uh, but maybe this will change that. Yeah, maybe. I just I'm just happening. Uh, it's it's funny. There seems to be some sort of hidden task. We have we have. Um, 
free trade between Canada and the U.S. and Mexico, right? But for some reason, Apple Apple equipment, when it crosses the border, automatically costs $50 more. That's right. Hmm. So I just looked at the iPhone prices here. Oh, you're just looking at that, eh? Yeah, yeah. they're starting at 549 Well, usually Apple, like when Steve Jobs is around, he made it the same price in both countries, right? And, and you know, the people up here, were the retailers were screaming up here because they, they were losing money. But, yeah, I just noticed that the... Um, Prices are quite a bit higher up here. Well, hmm. the fact is the exchange rate is, has gotten considerably worse. I complained about this on Twitter earlier today, and um, someone else wrote me back and said, you know, actually, if you look at the conversion rate right now, um, it's it's a little bit worse, but not, not too much worse. For example, the um, iPhone 6 Plus, all right, um, un- unlocked con- off-contract price is... Um, Eight something, nine something, and a thousand something. They're 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 definitely more expensive, but they keep the subsidized pricing the same, as I understand it. Well, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm betting for, right? So, one more thing. One, just one, one just one. Okay, what was that? Ah, uh, well, the one only one more thing that counts. Tim Tim said it with a straight face too, um, which made me think that maybe um, he's been saving that, that up phrase. for years. Yeah. Yeah. He's been saving it for years. And after we're talking about the watch now, Apple watch, a, a new platform for Apple. We're all very excited about it. All of us here in this room. Really? All of us? It. Yep. Every single one of us? As I'm, I excited. I'm, I'm excited in a different way. I'm talking you, about the room that I'm sitting in. Not, not, oh, the, not oh. this, 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 <laughs> Um, virtual room. metaphorical room this virtual room no uh, everyone here which is just me uh is very <laughs> very excited about this watch i was i was a little ambivalent yesterday after watching the keynote first time there was a lot of rage at the, the stream and that that may have diffused a little bit of my enthusiasm it's okay. been built back up having watched the keynote again today i'm officially excited and i want to get one um and Frankly, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself here, but there's a bunch of things I want to talk about with this watch. Um, first off, what we're talking about is a brand new piece of hardware from Apple, uh, watch-sized form factor. Um, I didn't catch the actual size of the display. Did did anyone? Like, was it two inches? Uh, I'll look it up right now while, yeah. you, while you talk. Well, the point is is that it's, it's a very small display. It's a square display. It's got a, a sleek, rounded design, uh, crystal watch face. Um... And a great deal of customization in terms of look and feel. Uh, it comes in three different shells, stainless steel, aluminum, and a couple shades of gold. And it comes with a variety of, of bands to go with it. And I think the combination of watch face styles and bands is going to give a lot of variation out there. You're, you're, the great thing, from a design perspective... I think something that Apple has done that we should really admire is the fact that you've got very different looking wristwatches that nonetheless are all instantly recognizable as an Apple watch. That if you saw someone in public wearing any combination of these faces and bands, you would know instantly that it was an Apple watch. Mm -hmm. Um, They've put a lot of thought into this and a lot of style has got into it. And well, of course, and as they would. I mean, that's one thing. One thing I'll, I'll, I'll say about Apple is they always do put it their their best foot forward, right? This is well beyond that. This is taking it to a whole new level because they have recognized that a wearable computer is something that is much more than the sum of its specs. 
on your wrist. It it is exactly it's how it, how it looks, and it's how other people perceive you, and it's how you wish to be perceived. And this watch is going to be a huge statement to all of those elements of of someone's personality. And I think people who who have decided to adopt this watch or who will decide to are going to be spending a lot of time looking at which watch face is right for them, which band is right for them, and maybe multiple bands is right for them. They're going to get pretty into this. Um, The other thing I really like about it is that it's not just for men. We've seen a lot of smartwatches come out from various other vendors, some of whom we hate, Samsung, and uh, others that are better, uh, like Motorola. And Motorola in particular was probably the closest to being uh, more of a human piece of technology simply by making it a rounded watch face, something that Apple decided not to do. Um, But this watch, the Apple Watch, is geared to be worn by both men and women, something that we just couldn't say about any other smartwatch. Right. Um, So I find that it's it's the most human piece of technology Apple has ever made. Um, And that's like just from the outside looking at it. And in terms of the software, Apple really had to make a case for what you'd use this damn thing for, just as they did for the iPad and just as they did for the iPhone. And I'll go back to the iPhone. When it was first introduced, I, I watched this keynote again not too long ago. Um, mm-hmm. Steve Jobs got up on stage, and everybody knows about this, but he, he, he gave three propositions for the iPhone. It was going to be a phone, a widescreen iPod and a breakthrough internet communicator, right? Right. These right. are the three features that we had from the iWatch, uh, the phone. Mm-hmm. In this keynote, Tim also listed three things. It's going to be a brilliantly accurate timepiece, accurate mm-hmm. to within 50 milliseconds. It's a personal communications device and it's a fitness uh, accessory. And that's the foundation upon which this watch is built. These three things. Now, nobody gets really excited about accurate time anymore. It's 2014, and nobody is out there looking for time. So I find that a dubious tentpole <laughs> to put this watch on, mm-hmm. even though the name of it is watch. Like phone in the iPhone, that, that word is going to take on a whole new meaning to my mind. Um, in terms of it as a personal communicator, that was also a somewhat weak tentpole because the feature that Apple has implemented for that was the personal touch. Um, I'm sorry, I've forgotten what it's called. What do they call that feature where you bring up a, a gesture with a person and you can sketch little messages to them? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll remember what it is in a minute. And you can do a two-finger touch on the screen to send your heart rate. And it comes up with this very... It's called, di- it's called digital touch. Digital touch. Thank you. And it shows this heartbeat, like an actual heart, in these very ghostly, very fluid, very organic animations. And I'll come back to that in a second. Um, and I think a lot of people, a lot of geeks in particular, were a little creeped out by that. Because mm-hmm. they wonder how they would use that with, say, other people that they know. Um, you know, Tim, you and I are, have been acquainted for some years, but we're not on an intimate basis. Yeah, I'm not going to send you a finger touch. No. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not 
feeling like I would touch you. <laughs> you know well, what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't interject this one thing. And as you know, we wrote Two Life, which is an app for couples, and one of the features that that comes comes up on a regular basis is by one of our competitors. It's a thing called a thumb kiss, where you basically hold your thumb up to the device, whether it's an iPhone, iPhone or an iPad, and the other person, wherever they are in the world, sees your thumb. And when you put the, your thumb on top of the thumbprint on the device, both of them vibrate. <laughs> this is the equivalent of the thumb kiss, if you think about it's, it. It is very similar to that. And it's, it's, a, it's a form of intimacy in an electronic device that I feel misses the mark in terms of what it's supposed to accomplish. I applaud Apple for thinking about using this wearable device as a way to get more in touch with the human side of communicating with other people, the emotional side. Um, I just feel like they didn't quite get it right. Um, I think as time goes on, you know, if the watch is successful in any way, they'll come up with different and new interactions that are a little more emotionally neutral in that sense. Um, where I would feel comfortable communicating with my friends, um, my, my mom, <laughs> and even with you um, in ways that aren't as creepy. So we'll have to have a shorthand for sarcasm, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe this, I'll this raises a, an interesting point, which which maybe brings it back to the the code part of the, the more than just code part of the uh, the podcast. Uh, I wonder how much of all this stuff that they showed us yesterday will ultimately be user customizable. We know that people will be able to make their own bands for the phone to further customize beyond what Apple does, right? They, oh, do do we know that? Sure. I mean, it's it's a physical piece of hardware. So, I mean, someone can just get out, you know, a a, a, caliper, a caliper and measure the thing, and, and then they got it. Yeah, uh, but actually, I, I'm I don't wondering think they, if it's. I don't think they're going to have any. Secu- well, I, I don't know. I mean, I would I would be surprised. Oh, you if they mean had knocking kind of off the the, uh, the, the, the band yeah, itself? I think, yeah, I think that's. I, that's I think inevitable. that's. A, yeah, I, I agree. So now the question is: Will there be ways through software uh, to create your own completely custom watch face? Uh, and your comp- completely custom ways of interacting with other people instead of the you know instead of the the heartbeat or whatever uh, will this kind of stuff all be ultimately completely open to us as developers I wonder because that I would, would think that so. would make it all that would make it huge I think it, well they did they did announce watchkit right and uh, I'm not sure what's what's precisely in, there. in right, that right but they showed some features uh, like for the mapping feature right where you can get your directions and you can know which way to turn by the way that the watch vibrates. Right. Presumably vibrates in some noticeably different way for left and right. And if they gave access to that, right, you can cobble together all of these different, you know, primitives that Apple gives you, presumably, just like we have on on iPhone and iPad, and turn it into your own custom stuff, whatever avenue they give you. I mean, it doesn't mean to say that they'll give you access to everything. Um, certainly, we're still waiting for, uh, you know, larger interaction or greater, deeper interaction with Siri, and it still hasn't come. But there's still things that can be done with that. Well, and it's really cool from an accessibility point of view, because you just made me think I hadn't really thought about that directional thing. But, you know, in terms of assisting people who are visually impaired, you know, you could have software that's that's help will help them direct themselves through 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 uh, through their day. Like, for instance, I don't know if you know this or not, but Stevie Wonder is a big time iPhone user. 
and obviously he can't see the screen. So he uses he uses the whole accessibility framework with whatever apps he's using on his on his device to communicate with his family to you know to Uber taxis or whatever it is that he needs through the day. Yeah, it is interesting that they they made a big deal out of the they call it the haptic right, but, but it's really haptic um, type of interaction. And this is something that Apple really hasn't done much with in the past. Uh, pretty much, we had a vibrating phone, and, that, and that's kind of it, right? That's the only kind of feedback you get other than audio and visual. Uh, but, you know, but uh, other people have played with, with, a, with you know, different types of, uh, you know, physical feedback from, from a device, uh, and Apple hasn't. So it would be interesting to see where this goes. I mean, is, is this something ultimately we'll see on, on the iPhone and other devices? Will we, will we have more user feedback? For example, in, in a keyboard, right? That's kind of the standard uh, use for this kind of thing, where uh, on the Apple keyboard, there's really no uh, sensory feedback for whether you hit a key or not right there's audio and visual but that's it whereas other on other phones you do get kind of a maybe a little click or a little vibration that you can feel so you, you jumped in there real quick there but you said you called it taptic that's what they were calling it in the in the uh, and, and, you, and you said it's actually related to another, another isn't, field yeah, of isn't, science it, or whatever isn't the more uh, maybe i'm completely making no this you're up, right you're right haptic? mark it's yeah. haptic, te- haptic it's haptic technology it's right. it's it's force. It's it's. Is that so it's like you know keyboards where you have velocity and stuff like that measured? Exactly. No yeah. tone or well, it's well, it's, 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 that's, it's feedback. That's an example it's physical it. feedback. And can you give, can you give an example for the listeners of how or, and me obviously how that's been used in the past? It, or, when you touch it, the screen, it vibrates. Right. Oh, so, the screen actually vibrates. So, oh. well, the so device the, vibrates. On uh, the then the iPhone. Uh, often you will be able to touch a key and you'll actually feel that you... Oh, oh like my happening. Android when I'm typing on, on the, the, the tablet. Exactly. So it, it vibrates when, I, when yep. I type a key. Jaime, do you have anything to say about the watch? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in everybody's thoughts on the digital crown. So this, oh, is, yeah. this yeah. is the first smartwatch and I guarantee you it will not be the last. Every smartwatch from now on will probably have this. Yeah. Um, but they have a... It's it's a non-capacitive touch, in, uh, you know, user input, and they talked about the reasons why they did that, right? And they they referenced back to the uh, the iPod's wheel, the the physical wheel that it had, uh, and and their design notion there was kind of interesting that you know you can't be pinching to zoom on something that's only a few inches in in size. It's it's absurd, and even from a physical, can I fit my fingers in there? But there's also the, well, I can't see what I'm doing. Right. right. And so they yeah. wanted to have features that are touch related that are, um, you know, taptic feedback, you know, force related, but also add a ability to do things like zoom in and out of maps. The digital crown evokes the crown that's in, you know, non smartwatches. Right. Yeah. It, it's an interesting de- design decision. I thought, uh, because it does very much invoke the old, you know, spin that little wheel to wind your watch in the old days or to set your watch. Uh, Some of us, Tim, I know you remember those, but maybe, I don't know if the other guys do, but there was a time when there were actually hands on your watch and you would spin this little wheel to to set the time on your watch. Right. Or set the alarm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And with all of the move away from skeuomorphic, you know, uh, uh, type things in iOS 7 and and on, it's an interesting design decision that they really went skeuomorphic in, in it's the it's a real physical thing that evokes. Well, the hands of the clock, yeah, and, and the hands of the clock as well. Well, and the hands of the clock as well, yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, more of the crown is, I mean, that is the same kind of knob that, you know, 30, 40 years ago we had on every single watch. 
Yeah, and that's kind of how you how you interface with it, whether it was opening a, a pocket watch or what have you, right? So, but it's a brilliant and almost in, it seems to put it in Johnny Ive terms, it's an, an inevitable design because I think it's so obvious to anyone who looks at this that my God, they should have, of course, they should have done that because it's it's perfect for the kind of interactions that you actually have with this software. So I think it's interesting. So some of the the, the feedback that folks around me and on online have given is like. Oh, why didn't they make it a, um, a, a digital button, right? Um, uh, like a capacitive touch type thing. And honestly, I think that's probably inevitable as to where it's going to go. It might even happen as soon as the next model, um, you know, the watch two, uh, 2.0, whatever that happens to be, but certainly, you know, within the first three or four models. And I think it's very similar to the iPods click wheel, which was a physical turning wheel in the first right. iteration, and then very quickly evolved into something that I'm not, I don't know if it was capacitive or not, but it was a very similar kind of thing, right? Where yes, it was. You, um, you've got this thing that you move around on. And I think this digital crown will eventually move there. Um, I, I wonder about that. Um, because did you have an original iPod? One of the things about it is the that wheel actually kind of got gummed up quite a bit. Dust and crap would enter the mechanism and make it difficult to turn, which is why Apple migrated to a capacitive touch, touch uh, scroll wheel. I don't know if the same thing is going to happen with this crown. And I think the, the crown is, if, if it works as I imagine it does, will provide a very satisfying tactile feel to the user interface. Um, I think that was a very deliberate call on their part. They could have made it conductive touch scroll wheel today but they definitely chose to make it mechanical uh because they they want to evoke the feeling of a piece of jewelry really well and they are bringing they're, they're bringing a, a product to market which has been dominated by by you know, admittedly analog devices if you think about it like people are now going to be expected to replace a physical watch with this smartphone smart device right so you guys don't think that this was their way of kind of like the skeuomorphism that iOS started off with were um, transitioning users to this, you know, pictures under a piece of glass sort of thing it was a very difficult transition, right? And well, that's kind of sort of what I'm what I'm saying that they're using they're using this this analog bridge to get you into get people who aren't necessarily uh, like you know you and I are you know we're totally digital we know how to use four fingers on our phone and stuff like that but but people coming from the traditional watch market you know the people buying Pandora and Rolex and all those kind of things are going to come over to Apple now, hopefully, and buy this this device. And if they're coming at it from not being a user of a smartphone and not being a user of a smart you know smart watch, they'll need to have some sort of analog transition. And that may be part of why the crown is uh, digital crown is there, right? My question is, uh, by the way, Aaron, I have been looking on uh, while you've been talking the whole time, trying to find the size of the screen, and I can't find it. All I can find is the height of the two phones is one that's 39 millimeters high and one that's 49 millimeters high, but no, nothing about the width of the uh, screen. Okay. <laughs> Actually, the two widths, yeah. right? The, there's two different sizes. Yeah, three point thirty nine, and and uh, I'm talking about the height. That's the only that's the only spec I can find online right now about that. By the height, do you mean the thickness or the vertical? Think, yeah, I'm talking about thickness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. off the wrist. Yeah. yeah. So, so I also heard today that that uh, some people were predicting that the battery life may be the Achilles heel of the iWatch. What do you guys think about that? I'm, you know, they, they say that 
there's nothing specific yet, of course, because they're looking at that issue right now. And I think that's probably one of the issues that's holding this watch back. Um, Apple's not happy with the battery life it's reported, and you can currently expect to have to charge it every day, every night. So um, I think that's one of the, th- the issues that people are going to complain about when it comes out. I'm not sure how much Apple's going to be able to move the needle between now and early 2015, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. And <laughs> on the whole, though, I think it probably is heavily influenced by how much you're actually going to use the watch. The more you use it, the more you're going to drink it. <laughs> you notice there's no uh, battery level indicator on the watch? Yeah. And, and yeah. Did, did they show any video on the watch in the talk? I don't no, think they no did. No, no video. You yeah. know, for example, they, they uh, Kevin Lynch, formerly of Adobe, did a demonstration of the uh, a movie trailer. Like he asked Siri to see what movies are in the neighborhood and brought up Guardians of the Galaxy and flipped through all the information about that movie, including showtimes, reserve tickets, but there was no trailer. So... Uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's going to be fairly, fairly limited because they want a spare battery life. And frankly, you know, do you really want to watch a trailer on your watch? I don't know. I, I think I'd pull out my phone for that. <laughs> I'm not sure. But it's a very, very interesting device. And it's, it's going to be uh, quite a ride as people figure out what to do with it. Um, one of the notes that I had here about it as I was watching the video again this afternoon is that if you look at the photos of it as it sits by itself, I think one of the kind of overwhelming impressions you get of it is that it's kind of a thick device. Yeah, that's my concern about it. Yeah, it's it's kind of bubbly. It's like, you know, the old Volkswagen Beetle when that came, or the new one that came out again in the uh, 2000s. Remember that? Very bubbly looking vehicle. <laughs> um, I'm kind of reminded of that uh, with this watch design. But when you see it on someone's wrist, and I was watching very closely the the keynote video, you saw it on Tim's wrist, you saw it on Eddie Q's wrist and uh, Kevin Lynch's wrist. Um, And even in photographs uh, from the hands-on area afterwards, and by the way, there's our guess for what that white building was. I feel kind of like an idiot. Of course, that's what it was. But it, it never struck me, seeing it on anybody's wrist, that it was big and thick and clunky. Right. Um, did you have that impression as well, or did you notice anyone? Well, I, I kind of my my first take on it is and I'm just noticing now it's got the curved glass on the top to soften that edge, but it kind of looks like a 3GS sitting on your wrist, you know, in terms, yes. in terms of thickness. But I saw pictures of Andy Anako and uh, Rene Ritchie both posted pictures of of the phones and or sorry of the watch, and and it looked like uh, it just looked like a regular watch. You exactly. Know? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, right. A wider watch than than, than you'd, you'd expect. But Maybe, still. but nothing terrible on your wrist. Yeah, I, like I said, I have friends who have pilot watches, and they're, they're much they're even bigger than that. You know, there are much bigger watches and whatever, right? So another another sort of style influence that's out today, especially with younger women, um, is the big clunky watch. I don't know if you've noticed this. The yeah. fossil watches is right, very popular. Right. Yeah, big big watches clanging around on their wrists. Right, um, right. So it seems to be the style right now, and compared to those, the Apple Watch is is a is a thin, elegant wonder. <laughs> pretty pretty svelte. Eh? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I had a I, my, my main sorry, my main customer called me yesterday and and asked me what I thought about the keynote as well. And I said, well, I couldn't really watch most of it. And I asked her what she thought about the watch. And my initial impression of the watch it was, you know. I don't wear a watch. So I wasn't really that impressed by it, but she was totally, she said it's it, from a fashion point of view, you know, and she thought it was a great, great addition to Apple's, uh, Apple's wares. Um, on the same vein, I, I 
talked to a few people today uh, and yesterday about their impressions on it. And I got both sides. Uh, it looks great. looks clunky. Um, and I think, I think people who have seen just pictures of it sitting by themselves are going to come away with that it's clunky feel. So a lot is going to depend. I, I suspect what's going to happen is Apple's going to sell a modest number of these, like with the original phone and the original iPad. They're going to they're going to do good sales, but they're not going to blow the doors off. Uh, but when the when the thing gets out in the public and people start seeing it in the wild, I think it's going to become something pretty special. Yeah, when the stars start wearing it for sure. So here's my question about the about this device, and it comes back to my whole retail experience. Um, where do you think this is going to be sold? In the Apple, in Apple store. Stores. They'll have a corner. <laughs> they'll kind of have a corner of it of the store that looks just like a jewelry shop, you know, that has all these under glass. Yeah. <laughs> That'd uh, be awesome, so. yeah. eh? No, come on, Why Mark. Not? It's got to be on top of the shelf where people can put it on their wrist. Well, that's yeah, true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, Apple's yeah, true, whole yeah, methodology is if you touch it, you'll buy it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they may they may even open smaller satellite stores for this, too. Like, like you know. Really? Um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of wonder because, I well, I've. I, I've sent pictures of taken pictures of the Eaton Center, Eaton Center store, and I've been to most Apple stores. I like to go to the Apple stores and just sort of check in and say I was here and take a picture or whatever. But I have never been in an Apple store that wasn't overly crowded, you know. So that that's you know one kind of one kind of thing that that I kind of wonder how they're either the Apple stores are going to get bigger or. But it kind of sort of seems like you know this is going to be more like a product like selling a pair of shoes you're going to have to have somebody try all the different bands and try all you know try the different sizes and and so on and so forth right it's going to take a while to sell this thing i think for initial i mean the early adopters are going to run in and buy them right away they're going to line up you know for they're probably lining up today for it you know yeah uh, i I don't know though you know i i wonder well it'll it'll depend quite a bit on how the the pricing goes but i i do wonder if if the average purchaser of one of these is going to buy one band or are they going to buy 10 bands right and maybe that's where the money is (laughs) well maybe yeah yeah so so it may not be so important that they try out you know they try out the one band that they want uh because the 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 main phone the core phone is always the same well there's a couple different colors but other than that it's it's all the same do you need to try it on i don't know there's so many questions about that we just don't know well, I mean, I think I think people are going to want to people are going to definitely want to try the bands. Like 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 I think Aaron was saying or Jaime was saying earlier that that um it's it's going to be a very personal choice in terms of which one you go with. It's, there's almost like too many models. I don't know if you remember when they came out with the multicolored um uh IMAX, right? There were certain models that just didn't sell. People just didn't buy them. Like know? Dalmatian blue. Yeah. Or no, it was, it was actually it went back to I think the the it was tangerine was the one that I think sold the least out of when they had the, you know, they had the lime green tangerine bondy blue, the red one. Yeah. My parents bought that tangerine iMac. Yeah. No, I know a few <laughs> people who did, but not, not very, it was like, I remember the, remember back in those were the days when we were still selling the things and it was one of those was, was uh, a slow seller. But, but this is different, right? <laughs> this is different because this is something that people are taking out with them. You're, you're, Home computer, you know, can be whatever color you like, and, and it sits on your desk and whatever. But this is something you're going to wear out. And right. if you're wearing different clothes tomorrow, you want a color-coordinated band that goes with that. It's going to be so interesting to see what the cost of these things are going to be. Yeah. And one of the things I worry about, Mark, you're, you're the one who, who kind of brought up the notion that there will be interchangeable bands and that third parties will make and sell them. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I saw were contacts 
on the inside of the band as it was locking into place on the watch face. Right, yeah. I'm not sure if you saw that. So there was this, um, the band was going in, and you could see, like, two metal contacts, one on each side yeah. of the right. the span of the band as, where, where it goes inside that recess. Right. I wonder if there isn't some kind of DRM, sort of like a made-for-iPhone program where it needs a special chip inside the band before it actually works with the with the watch. Do you think that they'll do something like that? It, it could be. It could be. You know, the made-for-iPhone program was was certainly profitable. Uh, oh, profitable for <laughs> Apple. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever looked into it, but uh, you know, I, I had a, a couple of opportunities to do that. And the biggest thing was, I don't know if this is public knowledge, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, you have to pay a royalty to Apple for every yes. item that you sold. Exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah, and it wasn't a cheap one. You know, that's that's what I'm leading to here. Yeah, yeah. is I wonder if there'll have to be like a made-for-watch program. Yeah, where maybe. you can't make a band for the watch unless you pay this royalty. But you know what? There will still be people lining up to do it. It's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. now, like, I'm wondering if we can talk about the software side of this thing now. Um, well, this is we were speculating yesterday. Is it going to be? Is it only going to be a, a Swift uh, operating system? Or no. is it good? You don't think so? I well, can't see that. No, I, don't, I can't I don't see it because, so. yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think that the the watch team even knew Swift existed until we did. Yeah, probably oh, not. Great. Yeah. yeah, somebody pointed out yesterday most of the frameworks that are out there are, are still Objective-C as well, right? Most of them, all yeah, of them. All of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, so I don't I don't see that as likely. Um, the thing I want to talk about was about the interactions on this thing. If you, like, look at this watch, the... The springboard, I don't know what it's going to be called on the watch, but you know this home screen with all the apps arranged in these this very organic bubble orientation um, is, to my mind, I think it's just amazing. It's beautiful. Um, it's as novel to me as the digital crown is. Um, it's, a, it's, to my mind, a, a new take on, on the iOS springboard, and I've actually got hopes that they bring this to the iPhone and the iPad. I would love to see something like a take on this for those screens would would have some pretty major consequences on how we organize apps um, and would be all new and different and, and fresh and exciting at the same time. So I think this is great. And like the way you navigate like these bubbles, the way they, they, they expand in size and get larger and contract and um, move around and notice that there's no labels, there's no names. It's just the icons and they have to be very strong, very simple and, uh, communicate their use very clearly uh, the the icons that they show here are are beautiful in that sense it's it's like the evolution of what ios 7's design was meant to do um so i think that's very exciting and you watch these animations as you zoom in zoom out uh selecting objects the the sort of haptic feedback you get at the same time the the, the sounds that you hear um all together providing like a very special experience using this device and when developers start building for this thing they're going to have to take that kind of stuff into account it's it's like a new world and i wonder how much of this is going to come back to the phone if we're going to have a back to the iphone event you know because the watch has become so popular (laughs) 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 Uh, but i'd I'd really love to see the the interactions and the and the, the thinking that went into this watch come back to the phone and the ipad and I, I don't know if you guys have thought about any, but I have several ideas for watch apps. 
Oh, really? There was a couple of guys on Twitter saying that they were really struggling with what to, what oh. to come up with. <laughs> no, I'm not struggling. <laughs> this is, I, I cannot wait to get my hands on the SDK for this thing. Uh, yeah, uh, it's pretty exciting. I, I, I think this is going to be fantastic. Well, it's still yet to be seen whether it's there'll be actually separate real apps for this thing, or or will it just be Yes, there will. Um, yeah, I've been going through the site here. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> um, here it is. A brand new platform for developers. This is on uh, apple.com slash watch slash features uh, near the bottom. Oh, okay. So they, they offer three different vectors for getting your stuff on the watch. Uh, glances. You know what a glance is. Um, they're little screenfuls of content that you can swipe up from the bottom of the watch and then page through, uh, and you can create a glance, uh, basically like a hook into probably an iPhone app. Um, notifications, yes. But then they also have watch kit apps. Um, and those are those are just basically apps that you can build using this watch kit SDK. So they say that we can do it. It's just a matter of when they put the tools in our hands. Well, it's interesting how they phrase it. Soon your favorite apps will feature controls and interactions unique to Apple Watch, enabling you to enjoy them in dynamic new ways. I still think that this could be uh, another case of, uh, of app extensions. I, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Y- yes, it, you did. it still yeah. could be. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you look at, if you look at the, the apps that they have in the picture, those are all existing. Uh, of course they're going to be, but they're all existing yeah. iPhone apps. And these may just be, you know, another way of doing extensions. I don't know. We'll see. But that would be okay. You know, yeah, I'm, I, and I'm, not, I'm yeah, not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah, it's, it's not. Just, yeah. You know, and yeah. in fact, it, it may be inevitable because yeah. the watch needs a phone. Yep. So, yep. you know, hey, yep. here it is. <laughs> well, and this is also the, the, I'm just looking at the last thing where they talk, saying start on the Apple Watch, continue on the iPhone, and that's the same idea as the handoff, handoff thing yeah. they're adding. In, yeah. In, uh, that, yeah, that is handoff. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. It's, that's part of the continuity suite. So, yeah, overall, um, I'm I'm pretty excited about this thing. I think it's going to be something really special. Really? I'm not getting that from you at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but there it is. I'm enthusiastic. To hell with you if you disagree. <laughs> I think, well, you know, it, it would have been an interesting podcast if we had done this you know, shortly after the uh, after the, the first rollout because I think my opinion would have been quite different yesterday about the about the watch in general. Yeah, I was more ambivalent yesterday too. Yeah, I, I was beyond ambivalent. I was a little. I was pushed the other way. The pendulum, the pendulum swung the other way. Well, um, it's interesting to look at the at the performance of Apple stock throughout this whole thing too. Uh, you know, and it, it, it may be you know maybe unrelated. It may just be a reaction to Wall Street you know mm-hmm. manipulating things, but but it it may be connected. Uh, so I was watching it during and after uh, the presentation and through today. So of course you know it's been it's been running up before last week. It was running up tremendously. It got up to 103 at one point, uh, and then before the presentation it had dropped down to something like 98 something like that uh when the whole you know the jennifer lawrence thing and all, and all yeah. that kind of stuff happened uh but on the day of the presentation and during the presentation it was creeping up and up and up and as they were talking about the phone and especially as they were talking about payments it was going up and up and up got up to 101 and <laughs> then they started talking about the watch and it dropped like a rock as soon as they started talking about the watch yeah, that's not surprising. I think I mentioned that to you before or yesterday, and, and I've and I've seen this before. I've been watching Apple stock for a long, long time, and you know, obviously because I'm interested in, in, in as a business, and um, and now I am a shareholder, so I, it does matter to me as, as well. But the the 
I've always noted that it climbs up during, as you roll up towards a big announcement, whether it's the, the quarterly numbers or some big announcement, and then it immediately drops off as soon as people realize, oh, it's not going to be the, the, the next iPhone or whatever. And even the iPhone announcement, the stock dropped in the same same pattern as this before. And it's because Apple, investing in Apple is a long-term investment. You're going to, you're going to Get it in. You get it now, and you wait two or three years before you before you double your money, and you will if you if you hang, if you hang in long enough, you know. Yeah, I agree. There's always an element of buy on the rumor, sell on the news, right? For sure. Right. But the timing on this, I was watching in real time. The timing was really interesting because yeah. it was as yeah. soon as the, as they started talking about the watch, it started to drop. Yeah, uh, but could that and, also have been a reaction to? Don't forget, stock doesn't always sell immediately, but it could also be that it was a reaction to the fact that the broadcast was breaking down no oh my god apple's lost it and whatever else you, you no, might be thinking right I, I don't think so because it was still going up all through the the iphone announcements which were the worst part of it in terms of the of yeah. the video uh, but but what makes it even more interesting is yesterday it was down some more and then today it was it was way up again so it's almost i don't know if it's connected but it's almost like the world went through the same thought process that we've all just been talking about, where the, in- oh, the initial yeah. reaction was kind of meh, kind of so-so, but it grew on us, right? And, and today we're all kind of excited about it. Maybe the, maybe the rest of the world was like that too. I, I don't know. It's just an, an observation. It shocks me and scares me that you would equate the stock market with us somehow. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It may be a bit offensive. It's an interesting thing, too, because I was thinking about the total buy-in to this whole idea, right? Because, um, yeah, and, and in terms of what Jaime brought up a couple of weeks ago, and, and we've been talking about this first-world problem that Apple has, um, and, and, it, and I loved Ash, Ash Furrow's tweet yesterday that Apple seems to be solving a whole bunch of problems that nobody has, right? But um, when you look at the total investment of this, you're going to, if you're, if you think about what you're, you know, the guys who would have bought the 17 inch iMac back in the day with all the whiz bang and the processor upgrades and the Apple care, those are the people who are going to go out and buy the 128 gigs iPhone 6 and they're going to buy the top of the line watch with the, you know, gold case and the, the fancy leather straps and stuff like that. The, the, the buy in at that point is well over $1,000, you know? To get to get that whole full package of, of the top of the line iPhone six and the the watch experience at the same time, what do you think about that? We were talking earlier about the free phone. We're going from the free phone to the guys who are going to be on the top of the scale, right? I mean, I think it's a a, a question of, of where Apple is playing in the market, right? They play on the high end of the market. They don't go for the cheap customers they go for perhaps the frugal customers the customers who appreciate value um and that's that's a big reason why you know ios apps do better than android apps on the whole right in terms of uh, revenue and and everything that's why with a you know a minority of the market share um everything comes out for ios first or only um and, and i think you'll see the same thing here right apple has just legitimized the smartwatch industry they're, they were not the first. There were, were even some who focused on design, like uh, Motorola's Moto 360. Uh, but this is the first one, I think, that gets close to getting it right. It's certainly the, the, the best by far. Well, it's it, it, the other thing, too, is that, you know, I've always been along with Apple when they were the underdog, and they always had, like, you know, 5% of the PC market share and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, they're basically kicking butt and taking names now, but they keep getting bad press because they're sliding to number two behind, you know, the, the other guys that Aaron keeps mentioning. Uh, from your point of view, that, that 
quality does to win the day, you know, like it, people do sort of see through eventually uh, and see that the iPhone is better. The iPhone experience is better. The watch obviously we think is going to be better. Um, you know, obviously this is, this is a 1.0, so it's going to be interesting to, to see how many people really, you know, jump on it. Um, but you, who knows? It might take the world by storm. So what do you guys think about the, uh, going back to the watch kit apps here, do you think that there will be a separate section in the app store for those? So, so whether it's, uh, an actual separate app for the watch kit, uh, apps, which I don't think is likely, I, I agree with, uh, with you guys that it's probably extensions, you know, packaged along with, um, uh, apps that are in the app store. Do you think there'll be a separate section kind of like the way that newsstand has its own favorite nation status inside of the app store? Oh, Absolutely. And I think also that that iPhone and iPad apps will probably have notations that they have watch support. It, it certainly seems to me that they probably will have this front and center in the app stores. Like, hey, look here, look here for the apps that have um, a watch kit capability. Uh, and going from uh, you know beyond the code part, that's a unique business opportunity, right? Because, it's huge. Yeah, this yeah, is the gold rush yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> good, good luck being one of the, you know, as a brand new app, getting noticed when there's millions of, of apps in the app store. But now there's going to be fewer than 100,000, fewer than 1,000 apps, I would guess, on day one that have watch kit capability. Right. So if you're out there to do a new to-do list app that has you know awesome watch kit integration, now's your chance. Do you think that the, the this watch, the new phone, having to use size classes, um, I mean, admittedly Swift and Interface Builder getting better and more integrated and that kind of stuff, and you know, auto layout kind of working better. Do you think that this is going to separate out more developers? It's going to chase developers away who don't want to make the transition because I think that may have been part of what happened with iOS six and iOS seven. A lot of people lost the the, the, the impetus to keep going with developing apps. Do you think this is going to create a rift in some ways? I think it could be the opposite, actually. I, th I think a lot of people got out of, and, and this is related to everything we've been talking about for since the beginning of the podcast, uh, sure. a lot of people have left because the gold rush is gone, right? And, and you know, a large percentage of the people of, of the, you know, the hundreds of thousands of developers were there because they thought that they could just write a new app and, and you know, and get rich. And when they realized that didn't happen, they went away. So, so this could bring some of those people back because for exactly what we just said, it may be another gold rush. I mean, maybe short term, but there may be another quick gold rush. There's opportunity here. I mean, this is going to be uh, like a Precambrian explosion, right? Um, certainly the big players are there. Twitter's there. Facebook is there from day one. Electronic, um, electronic arts, Disney. Right. But yeah. um, beyond the big players, nobody else is there. What will Electronic Arts do with this thing? That's a good question. You know, I could see... They'll send you a notification that your clan has just been attacked or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well that, I, I think that's perfectly spot on. So this is something that, you know, boggles my mind that Microsoft has just blown its whole ecosystem advantage uh, that it happens to have. Uh, it, certainly Apple doesn't have an, an Xbox, but it has plenty of games. And for certain things, it might be like, hey... um, Looks like somebody's attacking your town. Maybe you should go out for a, <laughs> yeah. a thirty-minute walk, and you'll win the battle. Oh, okay, right. And now you've got this whole gamification. It's yeah. like a literal sense of gamification to it. Like that's huge. That's a big change. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, I also saw something online too, and I just want to get an opinion on this. And I'm sure you'll probably just shoot me down. But 
you know, iTunes kind of was okay when when the iPod first came out, and it kind of, you know, it just came out on the Mac, and it was all good and stuff like that. And they didn't really start to sell iPods until um, they made iTunes available for Windows, right? And that's when iPods started to sell. And obviously, iTunes on Windows, you know, facilitates the selling of iPads and iPhones as well. Um, what do you think about the fact that that this is a device for iOS only, as opposed to something that that might interface with an Android or future, you know, future devices down the road in terms of trying to get some more market share for for the watch? It's, it's just a different world now. There, back in the day, you when for the iTunes example, uh, the Mac was a very rare piece of hardware to find out in the wild. Um, in many ways, it still is. But, you know, they said it themselves, uh, because everything from the iPhone 5 up will be able to interface with this watch. There are 200 million people that have the hardware required to use an Apple Watch. Today. Today. Right. And, and that number is going to get quite a bit larger when the 6 comes out and the mother of all upgrades occurs, to put it in Tim's terms. So I don't think that's a controversial decision at all. And frankly, if you're using an Android phone, uh, I think Apple can be justified to say that they're not really that interested in that kind of customer. And do you think that'll that'll help pitch? I mean, well, yeah, because those those are the guys who don't even want the free iPhone, right? Um, but do you think that'll that'll convince this kind of uh, product will bring people over to the Apple world, or or do we care? I think it'll bring some over, and I think more importantly, it'll be yet another factor in keeping people from jumping ship, right? Th- this whole uh, ecosystem lock-in that Apple has. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's certainly just great benefits. Like it just works. Everything is, is nice and seamless. Um, but you know, moving my iTunes library over to Google play would be an enormous undertaking, right? I, that, that's, that's a bigger thing I could, I'd have to worry about. And, and in terms of, of, uh, you know, is it controversial, um, to not support, you know, other, other platforms with this, uh, kind of following along with, with Aaron's point. Um, the fact of the matter is like from a pure numbers perspective, like Apple just has flat out lost the market share war. Um, it's, it's in a very similar position, uh, from a numbers perspective as, as the Mac was back when, um, the iPod had just come out, but the position of the company itself is way different, right? Apple was weak. Then Apple is strong now. Yeah, I don't think Apple matters. cares about the sh- the share war or the market share war. Do you think they they do? Really? No, I, 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 I think, think I mean certainly they they'd love to have a hundred percent. I'm sure, but I think they want the vast majority of the people that are bringing in high revenue. And, uh-huh. and yeah, I think along those lines, the number the the market share amongst people who would pay three hundred plus for a watch is probably very high in terms of who uses the iPhone. Right, right. It's a quality quality client as opposed to just the one with a pulse. Right. We haven't even touched on on the health kit side of things. What do you What do you guys think about the health kit aspect? I mean, I, I'm kind of interested in. in I, I joked about it yesterday, but I'm interested in the fact that the phone will remind me to stand up and stretch every you know 20 minutes or whatever instead of staying sitting in a seated position all day long. That's what you make of it, right? There's going to be people who are who are going to find that interesting, and then there will be many who don't. Well, I, you know, I, I wore a Nike band, Nike Fuel Band for a year last year to try and you know to see what you know how active I was. And I, I don't know if it necessarily made me um, more active, but it did make me aware of when I reached my goals, you know, on a, on a regular basis. And, um, you know, and I, and I've been using the Bree, uh, breeze app that um, Mike Oliver turned us on to, 
to sort of for the same sort of purpose to sort of get uh, some feedback from my phone in terms of what I'm doing right through the day. Um, it's, it's interesting though, just on a side note on that is that I think the watch may be better, a better thing for capturing motion for that perspective, because I don't always keep my phone on my body, right? So the Breeze app doesn't really sort of work if I'm at the office because my phone's sitting on my desk. It's not sitting in my pocket and measuring my movements throughout the day sort of thing, right? Whereas putting something on my wrist or the capture of motion of your of your, your physical being, you know, and that kind of stuff, as well as your heart rate and other things that Apple are going to add to the to the mix later on, right? It's going to make an interesting, from a point of view of, of it's not just something that tells time. It's something that actually sort of, assists you with your living and keeps you tries to keep you healthy as much as it can right yeah i think it's um at least my perspective is uh, for the health enthusiasts this is going to be a good thing for folks who uh are not ordinarily as active as they should be um such as myself i think you know i'm excited to, to try it out uh, certainly there's the possibility that it has the uh new year's resolution effect where everything's great for six months and then it kind of just tails off and you get out of the habit. But I think since health um, is only one aspect of this device, that's kind of okay. Because if let's say you try out, uh, you know, the Nike fit app or uh, run keeper will presumably have uh, some sort of version on this uh, device and you use it for six months and then you stop using it. Okay. Well, you're still using the device, right? It's not like a Nike fit or a fuel band that if you stop being interested in health, um, or it's not a number one priority, you stop using the device, which means that you are just one you know, news article away from being, oh man, there's this cool new fitness app. Oh, let me go try that one. And now you're being healthy again. I think overall it's a, it's much more impactful than something like a fuel band has been. So it becomes all about the apps in that case. And if, right. you know, if the new killer app comes out, then, then people start using it. It, it reminds me, well, what, there's one possibility of it being kind of like the Wii. Uh, remember when the Wii first came out? Everybody yeah, had, was yeah. waving around these wands and and seeing you know seeing themselves move on the TV. Uh, well, imagine you know you have your watch on and you have your iPad open and you're moving your watch around and you're seeing your avatar doing something on your iPad. Um, you could probably do that with your iPhone today, but who's going to do that, right? Who's going to hold their phone and wave their phone around? But with a you know for like a, a tennis app, for example, with you with the watch on your on your wrist, perfect. Yeah, I noticed today too. It's water resistant, not waterproof. That's another uh, concern for me. <laughs> well, there are three different models, right? You're probably going to want the sport edition, which has the the extra protection, especially around the band and whatnot, for the uh, the sweatier folks in the audience. But the swimming app is, is probably out, though, right? That's that's <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, somehow we went this entire time without talking about the fact that this also participates in Apple Pay. That's right. true. That's, that's right. True. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you don't even have to pull your phone. I mean, we talked about not having to, to carry your credit card and not having to pull out your wallet. You don't even have to pull your phone out if you've got this device. Well, my wife was also saying yesterday where she was listening to half of it while she was driving in the car. But um, she was saying, you know, you could keep track of where your senior citizens are, too. Like, because there, there must be some sort of low energy Bluetooth geolocation kind of stuff in here as well right i see that it fit i didn't see the specs aspect on that it presumably has a bluetooth le on there um but yeah i, th I could see turning this into a, a little beacon right a little eye beacon and if they go out some outside of some sort of boundary you can get alerted immediately hmm. yeah it makes sense that there would be uh i mean they could they could send things like notifications over wi-fi but that's kind of heavy duty where 
you know, Bluetooth low, low energy could, is a much more efficient, low power type of way to communicate. So it, it would make sense that, that that's in there. Drive the, drive the cost up a little. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it secret, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean I shouldn't say it in the podcast for everybody to hear? Probably not. We should do it for the After Dark episode. Yeah, I was going to say, but there's only five people listening, so they're not going to really steal right. my idea. <laughs> we should give a shout-out to Farley, who's been listening to us regularly. Aaron, have you fallen asleep? Here, man. <laughs> hey, Farley. How's it going, bro? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here rather than our traditional thing of going through uh, an app pick this week because we've obviously, you know, uh, the Apple presentation and the new devices, Apple Pay, iPhones, and the watch have dominated the conversation. So um, once again, Aaron, where can people find you? Usual spots, Aaron.Vay.ca, on Twitter, at Aaron Vay. And Jaime, where can they find you and Manton Reese? <laughs> they can find us both on uh app.net at dev with the hair um twitter at dev with the hair and on the web at dev with the hair.com and mark how do people find you on the web at www.smapsoft.com email mark r at smapsoft.com or twitter at smapsoft once again my name is tim mitra and i'm available at uh tim mitra on twitter that's t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a same thing on app.net which I never check, so don't bother. And uh, also, uh, I'm my website where we host this blog, www.it-guy.com or itguy.com. Um, so if you catch this podcast on the web or on through one of our tweets, um, please do us a favor and send us some comments on the show notes page, or you can write a, re- a positive review for us. It really helps other people find the podcast, and we really appreciate it. So. Hopefully we'll be talking to you guys next week. And so for now, we'll all say goodbye. 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 Bye.